Edison invented the phonograph mm. in the 1870s, not quite realising what he'd stumbled across. He thought it was a 19th century dictaphone, essentially. And it took um, Emil Berliner, a German-Jewish immigrant to the US, to uh, capitalise on this, um, this idea and invent the gramophone and its matching uh, analogue circular disc that it played the music through the record. Uh, so Emil Berliner invented the gramophone and the record, which catalyzed the entire music industry and, and changed everything forevermore um, and that was in the 1880s and we're standing right in front of an early gramophone oh, here now look. with Nipper the dog uh, everybody's oh, favourite yeah. dog must be a Jewish dog <laughs> <laughs> well the dog's not Jewish but the records in front mm. of it are and you can <laughs> see over here some early cantorial music, yeah. so early shellac records. Mm. Uh, these are just a selection of some of the records that we've brought together from all across the world um, collectors have opened up their collections from, from all across the world, uh, beloved uh, collections that I guess would have been put together by people's parents and grandparents and come together here. Yeah. So some people, presumably, that's what, that was the staple thing they got to listen to, but it would soon move on mm. to, to popular music. But yeah. Yeah, um, So cantors are very important in this story, aren't they? Definitely, yeah. I think um, we start the story with cantorial music and, and the music of the synagogue because that was uh, the first Jewish music that was produced on record. It coincided with... Uh, the invention of the gramophone and, and that those were the records that Jewish families would be listening to in the home. We're standing in front of lots of early examples of record players and early gramophones mm. but the music progresses as we go along. Mm. This is actually an important story because this is the first ever individually designed record sleeve. This over here, Smash Song Hits by Rogers and Hart and the story behind this is again another story of Jewish innovators and, and Jewish inventors that the exhibition is celebrating. So Alex Steinweis was a graphic designer working at Columbia in the 40s and he thought what about designing record sleeves to sell individual records? Up until that point, as you can see, records were sold in individual sleeves. We have one by R. Mason and Co. Yeah. Record store. Yeah, so it's just, uh, just got the info just, on. It's quite the, boring. Just the yeah. label or the store, yeah. I've forgotten um, how boring they could be. I think my, my grandpa had loads of them. Exactly, yeah. just kind of cardboard sleeves. Yeah. Steinwise uh, took it a step further um, and introduced with this, you know, uh, a whole world, a whole art form, you could say, mm. the uh, yeah. re record cover art, album art. Which is where a lot of Jews are involved as well. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. So, so this is the first example yeah. of a, a record sleeve. Shall we just quickly describe it? There's a sort of neon sign, which I think is meant to represent the outside of a theatre with a show yeah. going on. And Columbia Records, it says at the top, like they were the stars on the name of the show. But then behind it, there's uh, an impression of a gramophone record, all, all those exactly. sort of grooves, isn't there, but in bright red. So it's, uh, it's quite clever. It is. It's a, yeah, it's an early example of uh, sleeve art. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very beautiful. And, and this record flew off the shelves. Mm. And the company <laughs> realised, you know, they were onto something and that changed, Ooh, that changed music history, really. Before we leave the, the, the shellac, yeah. I mean, you hear this word shellac. Actually, that, that first gramophone, the one after the one with the, mm. the, the big dog one, it is a pink shell. It's like Venus's shell, isn't it, in the Venus Rising from the Waves Botticelli picture. Yeah. It, you know, I, wouldn't you like to have that in the corner of your living room? A, a hundred percent. Mm. Absolutely beautiful machines. And we, mm. we brought these together with the help of uh, the City of London Phonograph and Gramophone Collector Society, and oh. so they've been they've been uh, lent to us by uh, collectors in the UK, and all of them, I'm told, are in full working order. I'm so most sure of these are wind-up machines, and they're still used today. Yeah. You know that wonderful Yiddish expression, "kvel." I'm sure they come here and they kvel because I see their beautiful pink shellac machine on, in pride of place. I would kvel. 
Simcha records. We have a record here by uh, Molly Pecon. Very uh, famous, yes. The, exactly, yeah. a famous actress. Yeah, the actress of the Yiddish theatre. Of the and Yiddish theatre, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Yiddish theatre is something that we look at mm. uh, quite a lot in the exhibition. But the reason I'm pointing this out is for, uh, because of the label it was uh, released on, mm. Sim- Simcha Records. Oh, yeah, Simcha, your occasion, your bar mitzvah exactly. is a joyful occasion. Of it Simha. is. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what the word means. But actually, yeah. the record label was the only ever uh, Jewish record label in the United oh. Kingdom. This is an important part of Anglo-Jewish social history mm. in a way. Uh, Simcha Records, founded by Emil Shalit, who is a very big name in, um, in music in the UK in general. He, he founded Melodist Records and Bluebeat, mm. brought uh, West Indian um, and Caribbean music to the UK. Um, and Simcha Records was the label that released Yiddish theatre, synagogue music, um, oh. Jewish interest records to uh, a Jewish audience in the UK. Yeah, but that's clever because he knew they would spot the name exactly. and it has nice associations exactly, and it's for them. Yeah. So, you know, those wedding so we, we associations. We have some great old Simcha mm. records mm. in the exhibition. My favourite is um, My Fair Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a stage oh, version of My Fair Lady that. set in Petticoat Lane Market. And probably a comedy version, I Exactly. They were exactly. so good at sending things exactly. up. Your, your comic homage, let's call it, shall we? Here is the dance set. Hooray uh, for the dance set. Hooray for the dance set. Who doesn't love the dance set? Icon of 50s and 60s yeah. design. While the parents were listening to the cantors yeah. and the gramophones downstairs, the teenagers were listening to Bob Dylan or whatever it was upstairs on the dance set player. And the dance set, again, an, an Anglo-Jewish invention invented by uh, Jewish immigrants to the UK uh, from, from Russia who had a cabinet-making factory, the Margolin family in Old, of Old Street. Um, and which which isn't that surprising when you look at it as a, it's not just music technology it's a gorgeous piece of furniture in itself it's and that so this same grew idea. out of Jewish furniture makers Jewish and, and, and makers. you know what it's sort of moved on it sort of looks slightly trendy exactly. of the time doesn't it? if you remember that sort of furniture that Definitely, people had yeah. in, in the fif- late 50s Very and early 60s yeah. you opened the lid and things <laughs> happened yeah. yeah yeah and it had the auto changer and yeah, yeah. Really a gorgeous machine. So not not every day that you see a dance set with yeah. yiddle mit fiddle on, on, on it. On it. Yes. <laughs> and, and that lovely picture. And beautiful, beautiful satin picture disc. Yeah, yeah very, very yeah. rare records. And, that and these are from our collection. Does it actually play over it does. that? You know, it's not black. You, you play oh, no, that. no, no. It oh. plays a picture disc. Yeah, it plays. Oh. Yeah. Well, that yeah. is amazing because uh, the picture actually shows, um, well, I presume it is yiddle mit, the, mit her fiddle, just in the robes of the shtetl, mm. um, someone with a, with a cello. And people watching, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, it's such a lovely record, yeah. I can't believe that that's on, actually on the gramophone record. In fact, you've got another one there as well. Oh, that is definitely Yiddle, isn't it? You can see it's a girl <laughs> dressing as a boy. Yeah, it, these are wonderful. I could stop and look at those <laughs> all day. I can't believe what I'm looking at. It, it's, you like the wall of fame, so-called. This is, this is just a wall of loads and loads and loads of LP covers. So... It's about 500 in total. <laughs> and they're going all around uh, two very long walls exactly. and one, oh, and two very short walls, a whole room, it's a whole room. We have 10 listening posts in this central mm. table over here that um, have hours worth of content for people to listen to. So people are spending a lot of time in the exhibition. I was just going to say, you could just come you for the stay, day. You and could come spend the all day. Yeah. You can listen to songs that are on display, mm. but you can also listen to people talking about those songs and what they meant to them, oh, mm. how music shaped their identity mm. and their idea of Jewishness, uh, stories of rebellion through, mm. through music and intergenerational struggles, um, favourite 
bands and favourite songs. So there's a lot to listen to and it's organised into ten different sections. So we're standing in front of popular songs. I can see Yiddish theatre, Arab Jewish music, mm. cantors. So yeah. you've got different influences. Obviously you've got cantorial music and klezmer. Yeah. But as you say, music of the Middle East becomes very, very important. So, yeah. um, mm. the, the Jews of North Africa and the Middle East had a major contribution to the music scene in their respective countries. So in particular countries like Morocco and Egypt, Yemen, a lot of the stars of the music scenes there were Jews um, and following the establishment of the State of Israel and, the, and many Jewish communities or many m Jewish populations leaving those countries, um, Israel uh, was uh, one of the places where um, that music was uh, sold and, and listened to in small numbers. So there were a few uh, record labels in Israel releasing that music for those communities. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was quite a big job for the exhibition to pull all of that mm. stuff together because those records are very, very rare. Um, so the Arab Jewish music section is a very, very interesting story that many people may not be so aware of. I mean, America is the world leader, I suppose, isn't Definitely. it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to just go with that, haven't you? That's true, and, mm. and America features very strongly, but it is wonderfully cosmopolitan and mm. global, this exhibition, very international in its outlook. So we have, uh, you know, uh, a voice from behind the Iron Curtain, mm. a cantor, Berler, Zaltzman... Uh, um, over here next to Shandler, the American yeah, aggressive uh, female cantor. Well, so there's many different countries represented. But yeah, this is interesting politically, cover. politically mm. and historically a very, very interesting record and a, and a fascinating cover as well. Quite, quite sinister. It's very, I mean, <laughs> he looks actually, presumably, he's supposed to look as if he's trapped, but he actually looks yeah. quite sinister because he looks a bit like an apparatchik <laughs> and his tie and his. his Hat, yeah. bowler yeah. hat, or whatever he's got. But then behind him, there's a sort of grill and a padlock, yeah. which is actually open. So you're saying a lot. Yeah. Somebody's done a lot of design on that. Yeah. Yiddish and Russian, interesting mm. songs. And lots, mm. lots of European uh, countries represented here. Yeah. Um, and and many uh, cantors who broke out of just the Jewish world mm. and and uh, um, released records with a more of an operatic uh, uh, theme. Um, so there's Moisha Oisha and Richard Tucker, some stars who who, who broke out of just the p purely uh, Jewish scene and uh, will be familiar to many visitors. And that's a wonderful name. Is that, if that's his Moisha real Oisha. name, he had to go into some sort of showbiz. Moisha Oisha. Yeah, yeah. Incredible to have a rhyming name like that. <laughs> so I just wanted to say to you, you know, this, this the age-old thing, like, you know, so what's a Jewish play, what's a Jewish film, mm. or what's Jewish music? Um, it's, it's hard to say, but to me, there's so... It's, in most of it, I would say, should have some sort of minor fall. It always seems mournful to me somewhere in there, or maybe that's just me. Yeah. So even when... You know, you know this famous thing that Cole Porter said, mm. that he tries to write Jewish? I wonder if that's what he means, because it all seems to me, even when it's being really cheerful, yeah. to have that sort of dying fall. Yeah. The kind of s hint of melancholy yes. behind things. Yeah, I think there's definitely something in that. But it's such a big question, isn't it? What is mm. Jewish music? I mean, we're standing in front of, say, a record by Al Jolson. Al Jolson's represented quite broadly in the exhibition, uh, a son of a cantor, Kurt mm. Weil, Irving Berlin, all sons of cantors. Yes. That's why we've kind of put this section mm. next to the cantors to look at the influences. So yeah. uh, the influence of, Ju of, of Jewish music that no one would kind of doubt is Jewish mm. music, synagogal music, how more Jewish can you get, that led into mm. the, the popular realm, led into White Christmas, yes. <laughs> not, not, not your average uh, Jewish song. But, but just think about son of a cantor coming up with Mac the Knife. And, and, and a whole... I mean, yeah. you know you know Val when you hear yeah, him, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So 
you know, that you could see some some sort of evolution happening Completely, there. Yeah, but and there's yeah, and evolutions and and revolutions, I'd say, mm. and all sorts of uh, rebellions along the way, leading through to punk, you know, and all the different um, different movements and uh, and different expressions of music that have um, um, that Jews have been at the foreground of um, over the decades. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to pick out a couple of names that I I love. I you, you have to mention Sophie Tucker. <laughs> Uh, and you know, I don't know. People always know my Yiddish mama, and I don't know if they always know quite how rude she was. She was fantastic. What yeah. an amazing woman! What Completely. a life! And, and, and so always worth stopping to have a look at her. And there's uh, some lovely audio on people sharing their recollections mm, of Sophie Tucker and how yeah. important mm. she was to uh, female performers and female artists. Yes, um, making think, links to present-day performers. I think a lot of people have yeah. followed very happily in her footsteps. Yeah, definitely. And, and Leonard Bernstein. You know, isn't it? It's 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 so wide and Eddie Cantor you know there's so many I said I think Cantor's son that <laughs> well, might have been yeah, yeah I'm not sure actually that's a good good point yeah. do a lot of young people come to the exhibition because I'm thinking that I'm old enough to re, you know to sort of mm. have a more direct link perhaps to you know have have my parents or grandparents playing some of this music mm. but I hope they come along and listen here yeah. to well there's, there's definitely the nostalgic element mm. to it so people rediscovering records that they might have grown mm. up with or their parents grew up with um, but then you know we're, we're in the early section of the exhibition it goes through mm. right to the present day so um, there's a lot of different genres represented mm. and um, I think the exhibition's been appealing to lots of different audiences but in particular not, not just the uh, Jewish nostalgic uh, uh, kind of uh, audience but also um, people involved with vinyl today, so mm. people interested in there's uh, lots of um, vinyl anomalies. My favourite being the Electric Prunes record, Col Nidre. Col Nidre released by the Electric mm. Prunes or D David Axelrod. There's a lovely story there over there. So there's all sorts of different mm. records that appeal to different tastes. Tell me the lovely story. Well, the story is uh, the story is told by Alan Dean, who is very mm. heavily involved with the exhibition, and it's his record that he plays before Yom Kippur every year. Mm. And the story goes that as an Electric Prunes fan, rifling through record stores mm. in Notting Hill, uh, I think in the 70s, he came across Col Nidro by the Electric Prunes and was very excited and then later found, after much research, possibly only post-internet, found out that it wasn't actually the Electric Prunes who played on the record, it was David Axelrod. But um, but this 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 record for him, mm. you know, uh, means a lot uh, and uh, and as I said, he has this uh, secular ritual uh, pre-Yom Kippur of playing every year. I think that's lovely, yeah. I really do. So uh, what I'm loving as well is that we sort of coming towards comedy here and yeah the Jews are funny I mean Sophie's <laughs> funny gosh no god no Sophie's funny but Tom Lehrer. I mean, we can claim so many people, can't we? Yeah. You know, so and the first ever well, kind of million-selling comedy record, Cohen on, Cohen on the Telephone, which was recorded in London in mm. the early 20th century, uh, set the kind of blueprint for, mm. for a certain kind of comedy, um, satirising, gently satirising and drawing humour from mm. immigrants, ill at ease with their new environment. Mm. Uh, Cohen on the Telephone speaking to his landlord, not being able to be understood mm. through his Yiddish accent. And is, is that a speech record? We're talking about it here, is. Is it not exactly right? yeah. it's a, exactly yeah, um, there's so many because there's They're some funny. musical comedy yeah. but there's also uh, yeah. regular sketch comedy yeah, and have you got you don't have to be jewish here you know those we albums. do it's yeah. right in front you of us actually yes. uh, <laughs> somewhere over here i just can't we tell you how we, we still we do. still quote some of those you know, in, in our family, they, you know, and I'm sure yeah. other people do. And I think they, they, they'd be my story. Here we are. We're right. Yeah, you don't have to be Jewish. <laughs> I absolutely and adore Beautiful that. records, aren't they? Mm. Talking about sleeve art, they're mm. absolutely gorgeous. That one's wonderful. And, and I mean, so and they're all dressed. All, all, there's a lot of them. One, two, three, four. There's eight of them. Eight comedians, all dressed as people from in 
in different periods and different countries. Yeah, it's just and showing that you don't have to be Jewish. And the wonderful Borscht Belt, the kind of yes. visual culture of the Borscht Belt here, Pearl Williams, Bagels and Locks, this wonderful uh, mm. performer on the front, live at the Cabaret Miami Beach. The, the, this, uh, this section for me is one of my favourites because there's yeah. so much life to it. How can we forget sexy stories with a Yiddish flavour? <laughs> I want to hear them. <laughs> I might be able to dine out on those. Of course, the Borscht Belt, again, there are all these little influences going into it, aren't they? You know, sort of mm. going to try things out in the cat skills and perhaps moving on. Mm. Um, and then you've got the sort of really big names that people will have heard of, uh, ranging from, as, as Lenny Bruce Self proclaimed here, uh, his album sleeve. Yeah, he's, in a, he's having a picnic in a graveyard, <laughs> That's how, and it's called The Sick Humour of Lenny Bruce. And I just think, how clever, I mean, I'm sure he offended loads of people with his picnic yeah. in the graveyard, but yeah. he's got this wonderful picnic cloth and it's laid out with um, spring onions and watermelon and wine <laughs> and so forth, and it's right by a grave, line of gravestones, but, you know, that does sort of say it all. Yeah, And definitely. of course Woody Allen. Kinky Friedman. Kinky Friedman. Yeah, yes. there's some great names here. Yeah, I just wonder if anybody who wasn't Jewish actually made comedy records. I want to go and buy a gramophone now and <laughs> take them all home and play them afterwards. What, though, I think you have to sort of move on to is the mm. fact that out of that will come music by Jews or, or people happen to be Jewish, like Simon and Garfunkel. Mm. And again, I do feel their music is often very Jewish, mm. but it wasn't... You know, not, not explicitly so, exactly necessarily. Exactly, not explicitly. Yeah. Bob Dylan the same, I yeah. suppose. Although there are, there are mm. strains of... Oh, uh, so much. Stra strains of Jewishness in his work. Yeah. And I think he does acknowledge that totally. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, Leonard Cohen is yeah. maybe, obviously, to deal yeah. explicitly with things, but mm. I was reading an interesting article on him recently where mm. he was saying just how much the synagogue and the world yeah. of the synagogue influenced his uh, appreciation for music and words mm. and uh, speech and how that fed into his music, even when it's not necessarily explicitly mm. Jewish. These are the educational records that are mm. possibly a little bit of an anomaly, but very interesting in, in, yeah. in, in being so. Diary of Anne Frank in German. <laughs> uh, lots of records um, telling us something about the social history of the time. So, for example, mm. the way that Israel was promoting oh. itself to the English-speaking Jewish world. Oh, yes. A six-day war captured live on record. Oh, um, all sorts of propaganda records. I was just from going the to time. say I didn't like to use the word, but yeah, well, they I are, mean, aren't they? The battle for Jerusalem, exactly, exclamation yeah, like the six-day military might and yeah. so it's interesting you know this is just uh, actually you know, terrifying it's, it's, it's just representative of how important the record was as a medium for communication people were using records yeah. to communicate but look so, at that you know, one it's got a line of tanks and a, an explosion behind yeah. it and it says in Recorded, recorded live, lives. I know, ah. it's quite amazing. It's yeah. quite scary, but then yeah. you've got songs... Holocaust of, records. Yes, there would be, wouldn't there? Yes. Records, mm. um, records uh, around uh, observing the Sabbath and the festivals, mm. hinting at this anxiety around secularisation, yes. records being used to help families um, be good Jews, essentially. Mm. So records played important roles in all sorts of different ways. Yes. Oh, you know, I do remember when Mel, Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft, I met met them once actually mm. so she was she was a very great lady but yes they did see they did stuff themselves together didn't mm. they i like the way you've got joseph smith and technicolor dream coat there I don't, I, are we allowing that in <laughs> yeah of course we are <laughs> well this is the mind first lady that i mentioned oh before. yes that, oh what a lovely cover it's Petticoat Lane, it's a yeah. lovely record, isn't it? Oh, Music Alf Alf oh <laughs> I remember, he did these all the time, these shows. We have, yeah. Yes. He was very famous. And this was actually released by Oriole Records, mm. um, 
uh, a, a label by the Levy's family. Levy's is a very, an, again, mm. another important Anglo-Jewish story that we put into the exhibition uh, to, to, to bring out some of those UK stories. So Levy's had Oriole records, they had Leverphone records, had a big pressing plant in Buckinghamshire. Mm. They were a huge company they sold to RCA in the mm. 60s. Yes, this, this section is on musicals and films. And I, I, I suppose... Yeah, I'm actually at the moment trying to decide what my famous, my my favourite Jewish films of all time are, and I'm just battling with which Mel Brooks film <laughs> is it? The producers, is it, what is it? You know, because they're all so I good. Think, yeah, they are. They're, just, know, they're well, they're classics, but aren't they? But they do tend classic. to have a lot of music in them. Actually, yeah. I'm not thinking about it, so. I, Zero Muscle and, Fiddle, and Fiddle is ob- a very obvious one, mm. isn't it? But actually also plays, not the Bespoke Overcoat mm. by Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Mankiewicz was a very famous play. Mm, so yeah. And it's actually on yeah. audio. Yes, yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you know what? It, nowadays you download a podcast, wouldn't you? But yeah. in those days, it, it's quite sweet because it, it would be people sitting in a room together mm. listening to the gramophone or kids actually dancing yeah. to the dance set Sense perhaps. of occasion. Yeah. yeah, and a sense of togetherness yeah. and community, which if you're on the train with your podcast, you're not Definitely, quite having, yeah, Locked you? into your headphones, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to go mm. back to the way that music was originally intended to be played and celebrate that. So mm. with the jukebox with that we have, uh, visitors can select records, mm. Um, and, and, you know, individually put in the effort to individually select each mm. track rather than just putting something on shuffle. And, yeah, uh, oh gosh, yes. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't approve of shuffle myself. Actually, I agree. But albums are yeah, albums. Yeah, albums. Somebody thought about that, didn't they? Yeah. So, what, now you've got this whole section here on Israeli folk music, and that, I think, again, it's very important. I know, here we are, Theodore Bikel, Israel, Chanson, Traditionnel. If that isn't the funniest propaganda picture ever, she's this gorgeous Sabra, <laughs> obviously Kabutznik, striding across a field of some sort of vegetable. Possibly, fo- possibly <laughs> photographed in, in North America. Oh, yes, possibly. <laughs> poss- I'm not down. sure. I think there's a story behind this, actually, mm, that's quite mm. funny, that that might not have actually been photographed mm. in Israel. But, yeah, it's very interesting mm. to look back, at, like I said, how Israel was promoting itself <laughs> through music, mm. Um, all, all of the different uh, uh, groups that were coming out, uh, representing the different immigrant communities <coughs> in the in the new state of Israel. Yeah, but what I'm loving about that one is that she's wearing the khaki shorts and a khaki shirt, so she is this kibbutz and this suburb, but she's got lovely, beautiful long legs and very, very long plaits. And yeah. that's sh- oh, it's a hoe, isn't it? She's got over her shoulder. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it's saying an awful lot, isn't it? Definitely. So what you've got here, effectively, then, is the sleeve artist telling the story, mm. isn't it? Mm. You've got to stop and listen if you want to and actually it, hear yeah. the story. And it's organised into 15 sections, mm. and each of the sections will tell you quite a lot. So there's a lot of I- interpretation and explanation mm. of what you're seeing. And, and you know, some background and context. So uh, we're standing in front of the klezmer section over here, and klezmer, for many people, is now a bit of a cliché mm. of Jewish mm. music. But there's very interesting stories uh, to do with uh, the Klezmer revival in, you know, um, in, in contrast to uh, the original production of Klezmer music and how that was represented on records. Um, so today, Klezmer music is in an interesting place. Klezmer music's being embraced by Jews and non-Jews alike. And Klezmer music itself as well isn't purely, wasn't ever purely a, a Jewish music. It was always uh, a kind of, like, like with all the music we're looking at, it was always cultural exchange between mm. Jews, uh, traveller communities, gypsy traveller communities, uh, Roma in uh, Central and Eastern Europe, uh, but it's today being discovered in a, in a, in a different way. I, I think you're right that the Roma influence is very important. Very much yeah. so, yeah. It's yeah, just you know, music sort of for weddings, feel. that's yes. celebratory music, yes. yeah. Yes, I bet you'd have got a gypsy band <laughs> if you're having your big Jewish wedding back in Eastern Europe, maybe, I don't know. So 
These are some of the um, Zacophone records oh. of um, North African and Middle Eastern music. EPs, that's the other. Yeah, exactly. They're, They're much smaller, yeah. very rare, as I said, mm. um, very rare records. It was um, largely one or two record labels in Israel that was releasing these records for uh, communities who, who had left uh, post-1948. And there were some very, very big names from um, the respective countries they came from. But the EP is an interesting the extended play 45, so you've got three or four little tracks. Good easier to carry around than the, the, than the LP. Pop music, yeah. What does pop music mean? Pop yes. music can mean anything, but the pop music that we're looking at over here includes Bob Dylan, it includes Helen Shapiro, it has Barbara Streisand next to uh, the Barry Sisters, mm. next to Carole King, uh, next to Arlo mm. Guthrie, so it's a very uh, broad uh, cross-section. I was going to say broad church. <laughs> broad church. And this is music that's crossed out into the popular realm, um, produced by Jews, often not explicitly Jewish, as we were saying. In many cases, it's very, very American, mm. uh, very American mm. Jewish. That... Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water, you know, yeah. that would bring back memories for me. But some of the biggest mm. albums of all time, Carole King, Tapestry, yeah. is record-breaking singer-songwriter yeah. album. I don't know what sort of memories people are coming up with, but we used to wait for, if it was you knew a new LP was coming out by Simon yeah, and Garfunkel the or, or the Beatles, but and actually talking about the Beatles, of course, without Brian Epstein, it may not have got where it got to. So can we talk us a little bit more about the behind-the-scenes Yeah, we, we guys, do. it's called? guys and gals yeah we have mentioned uh, we do pull out some of those stories and that's in the mm. uh, contextual information so um, people who who made the stars that we uh, celebrate so in particular uh, with the record labels the executives mm. behind the scenes who were promoting promoting and championing stars uh, jazz is a good example many many Jews are giving uh, black jazz musicians their first break um, bringing them to broader audiences mm. so yeah I mean it's a very important part of the story but the most visible element obviously is the people at the forefront and the performers yeah I'm just saying behind all of these there's, there's, mm. there's a whole industries depending on them really isn't Definitely, there yeah. Yeah, employing all sorts of people Punk is an important section because a, l a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, records were released by absolutely groundbreaking mm. punk musicians who um, many people wouldn't necessarily identify as Jewish. But mm. for example, the Ramones, uh, Tommy and Joey, sons of Holocaust survivors, mm. the first hit they had, Blitzkrieg Bop. Um, oh. de deliberately play <laughs> playing around with provocative mm. subjects of the Holocaust. Blondie, um, so named after, uh, not, not, not because Debbie Harry had blonde hair, but because the dog. The Hitler's dog. Quite Hitler's dog, <laughs> really? Uh, so a lot of these... I and never knew a, that. A lot of bands with oh. Jewish members were uh, deliberately mm. using mm. these difficult topics as a, as a, as a mm. provocation um, in the spirit of the rebellion of punk. Uh, and we have the Clash Rock the Casbah over yes. here with the Orthodox Jew and the Arab dancing together. If only. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we need to get to, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I, I, what I'm loving is it's lots of little aid memoirs. You know, there are things that I can't believe anyone would, would go around without suddenly thinking, oh, I haven't thought about, you know, Offer. Offer has her, yeah. You know, I haven't thought about her for ages, yeah. but, you know, I, I've got loads of stuff by her. Yeah. And, and it's that, isn't it? Um, you know, sort of remember you, people that you used to listen to. That's wonderful. And a lot of the records that we have here, are particularly in this punk section, are, are showing how Jewish musicians were uh, using music to deal with difficult subjects. So 
Dear Yassin, uh, an Israeli mm. punk band over here, being again deliberately uh, provocative mm. and controversial mm. in naming their band after Dear Yassin, the massacre of uh, Palestinians, uh, with, uh, you know, the famous massacre mm. um, in, in Israel yeah. soon after this, the founding of the, of the state. So um, we see how politics comes into mm. music here and, and, and the politics of identity is, is quite interesting, beyond just appreciating the records for what they are. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, it, but I'm still saying just seeing Shlomo Gronich next to Lou Reed <laughs> does it for me. <laughs> just the same. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting sentimental. Not at all. I, you know, it's, I think you, you'd have to here. I, I would say to anyone wanting to come, you, you might even want to stay overnight <laughs> somewhere in Camden Town because it's amazing. It's tempting, yeah. yeah. There is a lot to look through mm. and there's a lot to appreciate and a lot to, to listen to, which is yeah. obviously the way music's, how music's supposed to be appreciated. If we wanted to say from someone to Amy Winehouse, I suppose, <laughs> what would be the from? What, what? Uh, from Josela Rosenblatt, I guess. Josela yeah. Rosenblatt, one of the early cantors, uh, who, whose voice we have on an early wax cylinder, mm. phonograph uh, cylinder, from the late 19th century. So that's probably, so I would say, as far back as we go. Amazing. And would you say, where's, what's the furthest forward then? Is it furthest any? forward, um, Peaches, the electro <laughs> musician, Peaches. Uh, Peaches is actually, wow. she very interestingly was uh, part of an exhibit in the Jewish Museum in Berlin called uh, The Jew in the Box. She volunteered to be a Jewish person in a showcase, in a museum case, life-sized, and answer any questions that anyone in the public wanted to, uh, wanted to know about, about Jews. So yeah, she is, she's a, a Canadian Jew. Yeah. Well, I don't think I can top that, so <laughs> I suppose the right thing to say is on that note, Thank you so much, Joan Rosen, for this incredible tour. And you. you haven't heard the half of it, so you've got to come. But we will try to supply a little bit of music to go with um, it as a tempter. Maybe we should take a look at the jukebox. Because mm, I'd love to look at the jukebox. We can hear it in the background, actually. Yeah. We have a, a vintage 1950s Rocola jukebox programmed with 120 songs mm. uh, by <laughs> Jewish musicians and Jewish composers. So the exhibition is going to be running until the 16th of October um, and it's actually been organised by a wonderful museum in Austria called the Jewish Museum in Hohenems who originated the exhibition and it's on a, uh, an international tour at the moment or a tour of Europe and we're one stop uh, along the route. Um, we had the opportunity to add a lot of material, particularly from the UK to the exhibition but as I said it's a very international exhibition and we hope everyone manages to make it to see it before we close.